I'm under no illusions that this week's pivotal. It's pivotal for the football club. Uh, you know, I don't think about myself. I think about how can we get results in the next three games to to put points on the table, to build momentum, uh, to climb up that table, to be in a position where we can where we can where we can attack the season. changes to the roster ahead of what is a pivotal few days. Hello and hola to everyone y todos. Welcome back to the number one weekly and bilingual Inter-Miami-focused podcast that provides you with all the latest news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. We are, of course, talking about Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. My name is Franco Penizo. I am one of your usual weekly co-hosts of this podcast, a podcast that has been listened to in more than 50 countries and where the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis. If I sound energetic after the week off, well, it's because I am. I'm feeling nice and refreshed and ready to tackle some more inter-Miami topics ahead of what is, like I just mentioned, a very pivotal week for the South Florida side. Joining me this week, as they do almost every week, are the lovely duo, both professionally and personally, that is... Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, a.k.a. Cinco, sometimes, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajicita. We'll start with ladies first. Andrea, how did you enjoy the bye week, the week off from Inter-Miami games? I know you're still busy with other things, but how did you enjoy the time off, and how are you doing? It was enjoyable. I still had to work, but it was enjoyable. I missed always football is the number one in my eyes, so I missed it a little bit. Um, I have a lot of things to say because I was not here last week, so I have all that pent-up energy like <laughs> inside of me, so I'm, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to, to talk about Inter-Miami, and I'm ready after uh, this bye week to, to continue to speak and to, to give my opinions about what is happening with, with the team. Jose, how are you doing? How was your bye week? And I'm doing the quotation marks here with my fingers because I know you don't rest rarely ever. So how was it? How are you doing? Um, it was good. It was good. You know, I got to watch a little bit of um, um, the uh, CONCACAF Under-20 Championship. I had to work a couple of games, so that kept me... Um, entertained with a lot of work to do. But uh, at the same time, you know, I kind of missed, you know, just checking my phone and see what's going on with Inter-Miami lineups, you know, early, that early Saturday routine, well, early afternoon, I should say, where you're starting to get ready and try to figure what what feels going to do this week. So I'm happy that the team is back. and, um, And thankfully, I will be able to do an old school, um, what what should I say? Should call this all school coverage of of Inter Miami whenever they go on a road game because I rarely get to watch the game fully the day off, 
So this Saturday will be the case. They're on the road. I'll be watching. Jose is a busy, busy man. And actually, interesting note here for you listeners, old and new of Miami Total Football Radio, one of the broadcast, the English broadcast members that will be calling this game is a former Miami Total Football Radio teammate and an alum. And that is Eric Krakauer, my first co-host dating back to 2020. He's on the call with Lloyd Sam on Saturday in English. So not only am I looking forward to that, just to, to see a, you know, a person I worked with closely, as well as Lloyd Sam, who I covered when he was with the New York Red Bulls, uh, call their first Inter-Miami game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's accurate. But it'll be good to hear uh, the Miami Total Football Radio voice. I'm impersonating him um, on, on the call. By the way, during the bye week, I unplugged a good bit. And I had a housewarming, overdue housewarming. Tough to do housewarming on Saturdays when you have to work every Saturday. And I had a good time. I know you guys couldn't make it because you guys had no, no, work. No, we, were not, we, we weren't invited. <laughs> I was no way. This but, is the first no, time no I'm way. hearing about that's, this. That's I, not true. I Andrea, you are now lying. Invitation. Andrea. I did not receive. I can show my WhatsApp. I can show my phone. I didn't receive a message from Franco. I'm an independent person. I, <laughs> Jose is not my boss. He's not my owner. And you told Jose, but you didn't tell me. So. Andrea, you were not going to come an hour and a half to drink and party with us on a Saturday while Jose had to work. I didn't. You were not doing that. No way you were doing that. <laughs> and 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 this is not the first you've heard of this because you had already heard it through Jose. See, so now you've lied. You say you never lie on the podcast. Now we've caught you in a dirty, dirty lie. But anyway, stop making a big fuss. You guys weren't coming anyway. By the way, I may or may not have gotten a note on my door mid mid of party or mid event um, so by someone, a neighbor that complained or something. But that may or may not have happened. Anyway, all right, we've got plenty of inner Miami to talk about. <laughs> Because, yes, there was no game this past weekend, but there was a lot of news over the last few days since we last recorded. There's been a, plenty of development regarding the team, so we will talk about all that. We will talk about the comments made on Wednesday, the team's first availability since the most recent loss, which was a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. Of course, we'll preview this upcoming weekend's game against the Houston Dynamo and the Q&A session and the final thoughts at the end of the pod. So... Plenty to dissect, plenty to discuss. Jose, Andrea, listeners, let's get to it. All right, so a lot has happened. We recorded early last week, and Jose, I won't say that that was a mistake because it was good to get a pod out, you know, nice and early in the week as opposed to a little bit later in the week, especially given all that had transpired uh, over the, that previous weekend. Inter Miami's losing streak stretching to five games. But on Tuesday, a surprise development. Inter-Miami made a trade. And this is where we will start this week's pod. Inter-Miami agrees to swapping Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter to it's CF Montreal for Kamal Miller and $1.3 million in general allocation money, also known as GAM. Pretty big trade by MLS standards. Don't think anyone saw that one coming. But it happened. Inter Miami has a new K 
Canadian international center back on the roster. It no longer has the young upcoming prospect and it no longer has Ariel Lasseter who was a part-time starter in 2022 and who had become kind of surplus to requirements this season. So let's dive into what it all means. Your initial reaction, Jose, when you saw the trade and now you've had time to think about it a little bit more, dissect what's been said, your thoughts on the trade. Um, I didn't like it. You know, my fair, my first reaction was that uh, I don't think it's something that is going to help the team right now. And um, I understand that, you know, um, uh, experts in MLS uh, budget and, um, uh, well, money, M- MLS type of money situations have been saying that, oh, yes, this could be great for Inter-Miami, free up some space and give them more money. Yeah, there's no guarantee that you can spend the next amount of money on a player and that he'll be good. So um, what I can tell you right now is that Miami is not a better team without Duke and without um, Ari Lassiter because the one thing that they have been missing is goals. And um, you basically took away two players that well, at some point, you know, Ari Lassiter looked like, you know, a backup nine, a backup striker um, since the change of formation. Last year, he was very good for the team and obviously Bryce Duke you know his uh, uh, I think he had a good season last year and I will take that over three or four games that he didn't perform this year I think the upside for him is 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 something that Inter Miami is going to miss because Inter Miami they don't have a lot of players with upside and Bryce Duke was one of them and and Phil talked about okay we bought him for a hundred thousand and sold him for over a million um, you know, that might be different in in two or three years from now. Bryce Duke was just talking about it this week. You know, he still wants to go and play overseas. If he, if he continues to develop at this rate, he's 22, he has probably two more years to make the jump and go overseas, and then one million will be not enough. So uh, overall, don't like it. Don't like it. Andrea, did you have similar thoughts to Jose when you saw the trade? Or do you think that something like this was needed given the state of Inter-Miami and the performance levels that we were seeing up to this point in the season? No, I agree with Jose. And to add to Jose's point um, of Inter-Miami saying that they want to build youngsters and blah, 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 which is a lie. (laughs) They haven't done that. And I have said that a thousand times in this podcast. But uh, besides that, I mean... They traded Damian Lowe because they said, we are good in defense. We are good with Sergi Christoph. We're going to be good. How come you are selling your attacking-minded players that are both young, that you could sell for a profit also in the future, not just for $1 million or whatever, general allocation money, whatever you want to call it, and to get a central defender that... Listen, everyone says, yes, he has a good level. Listen, Canada was the worst team in the World Cup. He's a Canadian. He's a Canadian men's national team player. Yes, he is. But he is in the same level as Damien Lowe. And besides, he is a player who has only one year contract left in his contract and wants to leave. That is the reason why he didn't stay in Montreal, because he wanted to leave after the World Cup and they couldn't sell. So it's not a player that is going to spend years and years and years and years here in Miami. I 
love that you said blah blah blah. I love when you say blah 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 when you're like paraphrasing what someone on Inter Miami has said. I hate, 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 hate that you guys both call this a bad trade. I think it is a very, very good trade for Inter Miami because Bryce Duke had not been performing uh, up to levels. You can, yes, you know, chalk up to some of that tactically and how Phil Neville was using him. Even before that, I don't think he was overly convincing. And going back to even last season, yes, he showed flashes. But I just haven't seen enough. And I've been critical of him at times because I just haven't seen enough to say that, you know, he's the future. He's going to be the future. In Montreal, he's going to get, I think, a good chance to get a lot more playing time in minutes. And, you know, I think they're looking at him as a, as a potential replacement for Georgi Mihailovic, who they sold this offseason to Europe. So he'll get a good run there. But I don't think if lo- I don't think long term he was going to cut it here at Inter Miami. We had talked about this last week, Jose. Uh, uh, you know, Phil had said that they think his best position was like as an eight slash six. I don't think he really meant six, but let's just say, you know, let's just say eight central midfielder, not an attacking midfielder. And I don't disagree with that. I don't necessarily think he's good he's enough so to be. I don't think he's good enough to be a ten consistently at the MLS level as a starter. That's just my opinion, and I think he just needed chances, like every player with Phil. It's going to be the same story. He just needed the chances, the consistency to play in his position and develop. And he didn't get that here. We'll, we'll, he didn't so get it. We'll get we'll get to that point in a second. Because I I don't disagree with that, Andrea. I also do hate that you called Ariel Lasseter young. That you referenced him and Duke as young players. Because when I called Robbie Robinson young a couple seasons ago, or a season ago, you guys uh, thrashed me for labeling him as such, which I agree He's not. He was not a young player then. Ariel Lasseter is not a young player now. And I highly, highly doubt that Ariel Lasseter is going to be sold to Europe. At not any to point. Europe, no. But he can go and play in Mexico. In no Central one's buying America. Ariel Lasseter. You know that's not happening. Like he's. No, not... I think the player with the upside is Bryce Duke. Yeah, to go to that's Europe. That's the is player Bryce with the upside. Yeah. I think Ari, Ari Lasseter is, a, is. He was good for this team. I think we can all agree on that. He was good for Inter Miami last year. He was a good piece last year. Good. This year, good. this year, I do think that he deserved, or maybe not deserved, deserves the wrong word. I think he should have gotten more looks just because of the way the team was playing and it wasn't working. But clearly, like we mentioned also, I believe last week, Jose on the pod, my opinion, my sensation, not inside information, just my sensation, is that he just didn't fit what Phil Noble's trying to do this year. It's clear yeah. that Inter Miami's trying to be a technical team that's better with the ball and on the ball, and Ariel Lasseter's not that. Ariel Lasseter can provide you verticality and speed and, and some some strength and physicality, but I would, I would he's not the this. most technical I player. This. I will add this. I think this is not a good trade for Inter Miami, and I stand by that, but I think it is good for the players. I mean, I think the players... They will both get to play in their in their positions that they like and, and that they can perform at, at their highest level. So, you know, I, I feel like and and I think both of them did play midweek and Duke played last weekend. Um, they they started the Canadian Championship, by the way. So that's what I'm referring to as midweek here. Um, so I think it's going to be good for them. I don't know if. Uh, Ari Lassiter will be the same as as what he was last year for Inter Miami in Montreal this year, 
but I think he'll get more opportunities. And um, and I think I think Bryce too. You know, selling him for a million and 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 telling people in the media today that oh we sold him for a million. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I think that kid has potential, and uh, I, I would say one million for him. It's it's not going to be a lot in 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 two years. Well, one million in general allocation money is not the same as one million in the open transfer market, right? So you're talking right. MLS MLS yeah. funny money to actual real life money. Like it's like mm-hmm. comparing monopoly money to uh, dollars in your actual well, wall- <laughs> your dollars in your wallet or purse. But look, I, listen for MLS intents and purposes, I do think it's a good trade because you're you're trading away one piece in Ariel Asseter who didn't apparently fit into the plans this season and who is technically limited and isn't the best in the final third in terms of the end product. And then with Bryce Duke, you're maxing or maximizing, I think, in terms of his current value, a player who isn't ready to, is not delivering and is not necessarily ready to be an every game starter for what Inter Miami aspires to be. Like they they don't they don't have the luxury based on their own expectations, based on the fan base, based on the ownership group. They don't have the luxury of cutting the teeth of young players. And again, we'll get to that here. This that'll be the next topic. So I think it's a good trade, especially since that 1.3 million in GAM in general allocation money is apparently going to go towards bringing in somebody else this summer. So yes, while in the short term you could, you know, throw your arms up in the air and say it's a bad trade and and there's a bigger picture here. And something Chris Anderson said in an interview not too long ago is that when it comes to MLS and if you follow the league for a long time, you're aware of. If you're an Inter Miami fan and you've been cover, you know you've been following the team since the beginning, um, you should be aware of it as well. Is that in MLS you have to plan two to three transfer windows ahead. Because that's just the nature of a league that has a salary cap or salary budget. You just you have to start thinking for the future, maybe sooner than you do in other leagues. So this 1.3 million, you're not going to see the fruits of that this weekend, but you might see it this summer. Now, according when to, you're out of the playoff picture, probably. Now, now according to but that's great. <laughs> just throwing away this year again. But, you know, but, that's what Jose, happens. You're, Jose, you're bringing a crystal ball. We don't know that year. that's the case. We you don't, don't know th- if you don't know who they're going to going to bring with that. Uh, so millions of dollars. So, but the, according 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 to the Miami Herald, that is going to be money that they can use towards bringing in a player like Sergio Busquets. Now, before you jump all over me here, Jose, yeah. I guess I listen, I'm not saying that I am not saying allocation money to bring Jose, hold on. Hold on, Jose. Hold on. I am not saying that that money should go towards a player like Sergio Busquets. But if that gives you if that money gives you flexibility to bring in a player that can raise the level of this team and be an impact starter or be an every game starter from the moment he arrives then i think that improves this team maybe not in the short term but in the medium term in the middle term i think that improves the team what if that money goes indeed to bringing busquets then this is a bad trade if that happens then i have then i have questions then I have well, questions. See, I do think, I do problem. think, I do I don't think have Messi. To wait until that happens. Well, right no, 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 no. So we better, better, better. He needs to win right now. If the team goes on a losing streak and they are out of the Open Cup and they are up to seven games, uh, dropping seven games in a row, um, you know, I think 
you know, there's a different conversation that we, we need to have here. And um, I don't think it would be acceptable for anybody within the team to come out and say, well, listen, we have 1.3 million in general allocation money. And in the summer, we're going to make a move. So just let us lose 15 games in a row. Should be fine. Because in the summer, we have 1.3 million in general allocation money. You think that'll be fun? Jose. You think that, Jose. that that'd be I don't the think right that they're, I don't think that they're planning to lose games. I think that they... They're throwing away the season, they are especially because they said at the beginning we are good with bringing Sergey. they traded Demian Lowe we don't need we're good in defense we have this we have that and they are bringing a central defender so hold on so there's that is considered one of the top central defenders of the league so, so what is it who is not going to stay multiple years here so what is it? What are you doing? So I mean, I can, You're I can, I can dive in, season, no, right? Because no. that doesn't have makes that doesn't make sense. No. because you know, Kamal Miller wants to leave in June, or in whatever time he so, gets. A, so Kamal a, Miller, a Kamal Miller, he has a contract through twenty twenty three with an option year included for twenty twenty four. So whether he wants to go or not, unless he's pulling a Kyle Laren or uh uh. Why am I blank? Oh, Fabian Castillo. Unless he's just like going to or Camilo Sanveso where these players just walked out of the clubs that they, uh, the MLS clubs that they had contracts with and say, oh, forget it. I'm going to join this team. Oh, another player, Kaku, uh, Kaku, mm-hmm. Kaku Romero, who also just left, you know, at one point. I mean, it's happens. But unless Kamal Miller does that, he could be with Inter Miami for the better part of the next two seasons. Now, I don't think they're throwing away the season. Jose, I would counter what you said. With well, what if that 1.3 million helps bring in Sergio Busquets, who then helps bring in Messi, right? And then, and then we're getting that into that is a, not happening. That is that, nonsense. So then we're getting into a bigger conversation, right? Which we don't need to dive into at this point. But that I, I do think waiting for him. They was still listen. If you want to win, you don't start winning in June, exactly. right? If you want to win a championship. You start with a winning team from the get go. You don't wait for one player to make things happen. Listen, I think you I think know. I think the odds that you have to take that chance of bringing in Messi. You have to take the chance of bringing Messi. They are not bringing fine. Messi, Franco. But if but if they do bring Messi, if they do bring Messi, there's no guarantee that Messi will be you know the answer to everything around Inter Miami right I'm now. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's that, great. but I think I think if you have an opportunity as an organization. There's only so many clubs out there in the world who can bring in a, a Messi, realistically. Is, is Inter Miami a realistic option in, in the conversation? No, it's not. You no. don't think so, Andrea? I do. If you see Jorge Mas it, with uh, Messi's entourage... Jorge Mas during, is during, no one during... in the football world. Andrea, Jorge Mas is no one. You have Jorge La Porta. If you, you saw Jorge PSG Mas... Andrea, if you see Jorge Mas with Messi's entourage... Jorge Mas is no one in the football world. Andrea, if you see Jorge Mas with Messi's entourage during the World Cup, I think that that means something. I don't think that you get to be around Messi's entourage. Andrea, you don't get to be around Messi's entourage at that level during that moment. Franco, that doesn't mean anything. I disagree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that there is a chance that he comes. Whether he does or doesn't, that, that will be proven in a few months' time. I think there's a I think it's unfair for Inter Miami fans to keep having this conversation because all sign points that it's not happening. It's not happening. So we have to be sincere with them. It it can be a possibility. Yes, of course, but it, there, it, it is a possibility now that we can have a hurricane coming to hit South Florida. There, it's a possibility. Yes, yes, it could happen. That is the same thing as right now wasting time saying, oh, they're 
collecting money to get Messi. No, no, no. They could be collecting money to bring in another player who can help attract Messi, making it Miami more uh, attractive option. What, but listen, okay, your point for a team to aspire to that. But that you're, listen, you, 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 you are throwing away your season. Messi is a generational talent. He is arguably the greatest player of all time. I think if you have the chance, you've got to try to take that chance. Now, regardless, let's move away from the Messi talk. Because that's not what we need to focus on on this week's show. Because I think the overall point is something that we should discuss. And it's something you've mentioned, Andrea, not only on this week's pod already, but in previous pods. And I again, I don't disagree with you. There is a lot of talk from Inter Miami that they want to develop young players. They talk about homegrowns and young players, mostly homegrowns. It's only been three years and some change. There's been homegrown signings. But no one's really broken through. By and large, Inter-Miami does not develop, to this point, has not developed young players. To the point where they're getting regular first-team minutes and performing at higher levels. Now, I've said this dating back to last year. I think Inter-Miami, because of the type of organization that it is, is not going to be that. They can say all they want PR and publicly about how they want to do this and that, but they are a must-win-now type of organization. Wait, They're not an organization that Franco, is going to... What type of organization is into Miami? What type of... what? I mean, it's one thing what the owners say during a press conference, and then an organization is what they show on the field. And... Inter-Miami has no relation at this point to winning games, tournaments consistently. They have a, a preseason tournament trophy, and that's about it. So what is Inter-Miami at this point? I don't think we have figured out what is Inter-Miami. Okay, well, we're not hosting. If, if, if you ask owners around the league, if they want to win tournaments, every, every owner will tell you they want to win the Champions League, they want to win MLS Cup, they want to win Leagues Cup, they want to win Campeones Cup, they want to win everything. And that doesn't make a team a winning team. So, I mean, I think they have ways to go. And I think it's just too soon to figure out what they are. Like, for real. Jose, Not what they say they are. Jose, what, they what, are what, what are the expectations for Inter-Miami? Right? The expectations are for this team to compete for titles. That's the expectation. But, but how? How did you get to that point? How did you get the expectation of Inter-Miami winning titles if they barely made it to the playoffs? They barely had a, a competitive roster. From from day one, they, have, they, they, they had trouble signing DPs. From day one. From day one. And you know how important DPs are in MLS. So why would you expect them to win? At what point during an MLS season did you expect Inter Miami to play the final? At what point? I am not expecting them to play in the final, but that's what they expect from themselves. And they, this is not a team, this is not an organization that is like, all right, five years from now, we're going to compete for, for a trophy. We're going to build a young roster and a young nucleus and a young core, and that's what we're going to, to compete with for titles down the road. This is a team that signs older players. Gonzalo Higuaín was not a young player. Blaise Matuidi was not a young player. Rodolfo Pizarro was not a young player when they signed them. Alejandro Pozuelo last year wasn't a young player. They bring in more proven players 
to try to win now. Now, Bryce Duke is no longer with the team because the team is trying to win now. They could have they could have said no to that one point three million. Trying to win now. Oh uh, no, no. With that, I do not agree no, with that. I don't agree with that. I think they probably thought it was a good deal. Listen, because of the 1.3 million for them to get about to send Bryce Duke to someplace else, and and maybe they're thinking about bringing a, a DP pen like they did with Pozuelo last year or something similar to that. But I don't think that tells you. I mean, I, I see no relationship between between them. You know, wanting to win now. Look, just I, look I at the yeah. signings, Jose. Look at the signings over the few years. Jovin Jones, Ryan Shawcross, Federico Higuain, Kieran Gibbs. Are these young players that they've signed? No. And these are players that, despite them signing players in the academy, Ian Frey, okay, he was injured. He's been injured. Noah Allen. He's injured this year. Last year, he wasn't injured, and he played in the beginning due to circumstance, and then we didn't hear from him or see him on the field much of any part of the rest of the year. Edison Ascona, where is he right now? Right now, today, where is he right now? With a national team with playing the, against with, with Brazil. With the under-20 Dominican national team. So he's not even in the first-team picture. This is not a team that is built on, at least right now, on developing young players. This is a team that's trying to win now. Now. Whether that changes or not, and whether we can agree about the execution of, of that philosophy and that approach, fine. I understand all of that. But this is a team that's trying to win today. That's why the players they bring in that are starters, Campana may be one example of a young player that they signed and that he panned out and that they brought him back. Are there others? Uh, are there others? Are there other young players that you could point to? Yedlin's not a young player. Sorry, Christoph's not a young player. Christopher, McV- Christopher McVeigh is not really a young player. Kamal Miller's not a young player. Gene Mota and Gregory yeah. weren't young players when they were added. This is not a team. It's not an organization, for whatever they say publicly, that is trying to do what FC Dallas and Philadelphia Union have done. Is that like something they would like to do in the background of trying to build a winner? Yes, I think so. I think so. Yes, it'd be nice to have yeah, young players come up, come up regularly uh, and play for the first team and, and help be part of that identity. But right now, we have not seen that. We have and not to seen be fair, To be fair, the, the one person that started this conversation, because, you know, before the we're going to get young players and develop them and, you know, have them play with the first team and then move on to the highest level, uh, to the bigger leagues, before that conversation, everybody was thinking, uh, Inter Miami is the team for the top players in the world, but the one that got this conversation started was David Beckham, who's barely even here, even around anymore. Jose, so how seriously can we take that? Jose, listen, those comments to me always rang hollow. Those comments to me were David Beckham to me, not inside information, just my supposition. Those were David co- David Beckham comments posturing for local politicians to help give him a stadium. That's what I think that was. I don't think that there was like actual like meaning in yeah. behind the first few years we're going to have all these academy players playing in the first team. Maybe that's part of a longer-term strategy, but right now, to this point, in Inter Miami's existence, no, not even close. Not even close. I agree with you, I agree with you Franco, but the part, the part that I don't agree with you, it's the win now. So you, that, you, you think that they're that planning I- to win... Three years from now. 
Like that's that's I, no. that's their vision. They're I, trying to win three. Years. They're I, not trying to win now or next year. They're trying to win three years from now, five years from now. I think next year would be the first year that they will really really go for it. I think the next year is is the year for Inter Miami to, to to get things on track because I think they've done the work. They're trying to get you know all the pieces that they want here long term, and next year with no sanctions, I think that would be the first real year that you know we might be able to see that Jorge Mas mentality that you want the winning mentality I, right now I don't think they try they try to win I right now it's just continuing with the process and the players that bring in all the names that you mentioned you know those are names that you're not going to win anything with them I mean they, they're good assets like the good players they have good experience at times but uh, okay let's look at Karen Gibbs let's look let's look at uh, a shot cross um did you really expect to win uh, MLS Cup and, and have Chakras and, and Karen Gibbs be uh, at the top of the list in all stats in MLS, I mean, that's a little un- un- unrealistic. I think, you know, it's going to take some time for them to come to a new league. There's not a lot of expectations. So, uh, I, I agree with you again, but I just don't agree with the part that you say win now. I don't think they are they are that ambitious right now, and they know they're not ready to get at that so level. So if you agree that they're not a win-now team, I'm sorry, if you agree that they are not a, at this point in their stage or in their in their existence, a team that's developing young players, but you also don't think they're a win-now team, what kind of team are they then, according to you? What they kind are, of team do you they, think they are? A normal LMLS team they are a middle of the pack team, and this is the perfect example as to why promotion and relegation it's is holding on, holding exactly. on this, this league. Because at Inter Miami, they have the luxury of being Acomodado. a middle of the pack. They, they have Acomodado. a in the middle of the I pack team because that. they. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. They have sanctions that they're dealing with. It's not like they're playing with a full deck of cards here. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that that, like, I think if listen, I think if there were no sanctions, I think they would be. One of the biggest spenders in the league, and I think that they would be trying to win now. Don't forget, well, in twenty twenty, they were, I think, if not the most expensive team, or the second most expensive team in the entire league in terms of how much money they invested in that roster. So, and they did a horrible job with that. that with that amount, that, of money, that's different. That's but that's a different argument. That's not the same as saying that they're a win now team. The execution of the plan might have been terrible, and it was well, terrible. And the and the and the leaders at that at that point. Got let go, but anyway, we're we're, we're we're revisiting the past. We're revisiting the past. Let's move forward, Jose. For now, listen, for now, I guess we can say they have owners that are willing to spend, but I don't think we can say Inter Miami is is a team with a winning mentality because they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, if if somebody asked me to prove why Inter Miami. Why do it's they a have winning a winning mentality? Mm-hmm. How many wins do I have to show? How many trophies? How? how Just what? because what? the execution can be terrible does not mean that that's not what the plan or the idea or the identity, the desired identity is. Okay, show that me That is an what, excuse what? every team no. in MLS no. uses, Franco. No, Andrea. Show me what they... Yes. If they are a winning mentality, winning mentality... What did did I, I just get sick in the middle of the podcast? What, what happened, Andre? What happened to your voice? I am still uh, having some co- after COVID effects. So. Oh, your voice changed mid podcast. What happened? Yes. I was like, oh man, did Andrea like she, she got into it? Now she's like losing her voice. All right, well, <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to uh, keep the the decibels to to a level that you can speak at. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's let's move forward. Let's move forward because there's still a good few things to talk about. Kamal Miller is has arrived. Like you guys mentioned, Canadian international center back. Again, 
has contract through 2023, option for 2024. There have been plenty of reports that he wants to go to Europe. Uh, he's 25 years old, so not young, but not old. He's entering the prime hmm. of his career, or he should be entering the prime of his career in the next year or two. Jose, from what we know, from what we've seen, he is a center back that has composure on the ball. He can bring the ball forward. Uh, so Inter-Miami is adding that to their repertoire now. I do think, although he's a defender, that his addition is in part to help add to a team that is looking to be good with the ball and attack. This is not uh, Aaron Long. This is not a center back who is maybe solid defending and not great with the ball. He is, and I'm not saying, listen, let me take that back. I don't think Kamal Miller is great with the ball, but I think he's good with the ball by MLS standards. And Inter-Miami is adding that. Now, with that said, quick question for you both. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. And we'll start with Andrea so that she can uh, clear her throat uh, while Jose and I probably argue. <laughs> Five-man backline or four-man backline? Does Kamal Miller's arrival to you signal Inter-Miami is going to stick with the four at the back and drop probably Christopher McVeigh? Or do they go with five at the back with three center backs, which would then be comprised of uh, clearly, probably, Sergei Christoph, Christopher McVeigh, and Kamal Miller? I, I think the one getting dropped is going to be McVeigh. If you're bringing a, a player like Kamal, that he's one of the top defenders in the league, I will say. He's not um, Puyol. For the older generations who understand who Puyol is, he's not Puyol, but he is good in the league. He has experience. He plays for the national team. So I think they're bringing a player that can be at that level that Sergei is in. Because clearly... I think Phil has seen and, and, and his staff has seen that McVeigh has not been having a good season. Uh, this season, he has been having a lot of mistakes during the games. So I think maybe um, they, they are thinking and they are looking at Kamal and saying, okay, this could be a good addition to solidify our, our back four and to get someone that makes a great pairing with Sergei that brings stability, that has qualities that can pair well with with Sergei. So you think four man backline? They're gonna, four. They're gonna yes. stay with the four. Jose, your thoughts quickly. I say they go to five. I'd say they go to five in the back. Um I think, you know, with you bringing um Kamal Miller and with with Christoph, I think McVeigh will look a lot better. You know, just like, you know, Macoon did a, a few years ago. I think that's that's a, that's. I think that that would make sense, honestly. I mean, that would prevent you from losing as many games, and I think that's that's what they're trying to do right now. They want to stay in the hunt and, um, you know, playing good defense. That might be something that they need right now. That's 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 my thought, and uh, and it might not be great because people won't want to see them score goals. But the reality is that they do need at some point, you know, to 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 stop the bleeding. They have to stop the bleeding, especially on road games. And, you know, I think that's a possibility. Something that Rodolfo Pizarro and Phil Neville, if I'm not mistaken, earlier today, Wednesday, said during the availability in different moments is that back to basics. They, they use that phrase. 
one in English, one in Spanish, of course. Pizarro in Spanish, Phil Neville in English. So I don't necessarily disagree that the back five is in the cards for Inter Miami, but I'm with Andrea on this one that I think that they go to, they're going to stick at least to begin with that back four. I think Miller slots in for McVeigh. McVeigh hasn't necessarily played all that well next to Serhii Kristoff. You know, he's had lapses in, I think, practically every game. Um, some have proved co- proven costly, some have not. So I think he's there to upgrade the center back position with and without the ball, but with the emphasis still being on Inter Miami being an attack minded team. So I think they stick with four. Though I don't discard the possibility that at some point or at different games, we can see a back five. But I think to start, the idea is back four. That's just my my supposition. All right. Another player that was officially brought on board since the last pod we recorded is Dixon Arroyo, the Ecuadorian defensive midfielder who signed a one-year deal with a team option for 2024. We talked about him last week, Jose. There's been... You know, a good bit of talk, at least in Ecuadorian press, about his arrival and, and how it came to be. You know, he had kind of a falling out with Emelec due to contractual, I don't know if contractual disputes, but payment disputes and, and things of that nature. And then that, that led to him being, you know, him, him uh, reclamando, him mm-hmm. reclamando, him uh, complaining and, and, you know, trying to make a stand behind the scenes. That eventually led to him being separated from the group, according to reports. And then that eventually led to him, you know, exiting the team. And it was notable to me that during his introductory press conference earlier today on Wednesday, he said, con el equipo con quien jugaba o con el equipo con quien estaba. He's, which translates to, with the team I last played for, with the team I was last with. He never named Emelec by name in, in the press conference. And I think that that was telling. You know, that there is definitely, he, he didn't leave Emelec on a high. He left Emelec clearly in, in not the best way. But anyway, he's coming in clearly to help replace Gregory as the six, like we say in English. Or el cinco, like we say in Spanish, the five. Hopefully that doesn't confuse listeners, but numerically in terms of the positions, it's it's just done differently in different parts of the country all the same six five whatever say cinco six cinco it's just to say he's a defensive midfielder replacing the injured gregory but does he play like gregory we'll find out starting probably this weekend phil neville said he's a major doubt because of paperwork uh terms or paperwork that hasn't come through yet I don't believe that one bit. I think he's playing this weekend. I think when Phil Neville tries to uh, say that, oh, he's a major, major doubt, I think it's him just bluffing. And I think we will absolutely see Dixon Arroyo in the starting lineup on Saturday against Houston Dynamo. Just I my- don't think we, we're we going to see him. Not because of that, but because he needs to get his paperwork. He needs to get his transfer. He needs to get everything in line to play. And it's very difficult to do here. It's not like you're going to get it in a week. He's already training with the team, and he's been training with the team since last week. Kamal Miller is in South Florida. He has not been training with the team. There's been no public images of him in Inter-Miami gear, nothing. So I believe that Kamal Miller probably isn't playing this weekend. Yeah. Which is something Phil Noble said Wednesday. 
But I don't believe for a second that Dixon Arroyo is not. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see on Saturday. But I don't. But you know, when Phil when Phil really tries to sell it and he tries to lay yeah. it on thick, <laughs> I have a hard time believing it. So I yeah. think I think Dixon Arroyo plays, and I think he starts on on Saturday. Now, what kind of player should we expect? Are we going to see a like for like player like Gregory? Or are we going to see a different type of defensive midfielder? Because it's not like every six or every cinco or every defensive midfielder plays exactly the same. Listen, I'll say this. I, I haven't seen him play a whole lot besides some, some highlight footage that you can find out on the World Wide Web. So we'll see. But, you know, there was a lot of talk today about how he resembles Gregory. Pizarro said physically they, they, they have some similarities. I Which think means I think he's I think he's a little bit uh smaller in frame than Gregory, maybe not as 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 physically robust or strong. I'm not saying he's weak by any means, but that does not mean that he's going to play the defensive midfielder position the same way that Gregory does. And I asked Dixon Arroyo, futbolisticamente, from a more soccer standpoint type of question, how would you describe your playing style? And and he went into talking about, you know, breaking things up, but, you know, then also, you know, giving the team a, a clean build-out. So he, he went into some detail. I followed up by saying, Te gusta jugar al choque, which helped me translate in English, which means, do you like to get physical? You know, like get into tackles, things of that nature, right? That, that's how you would roughly translate it, guys, yes? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And he said, not really. He said, you know, if I have to, then I'll slide, I'll do what I need to do. But he wasn't like, oh, I'd love to get stuck in. No, I love to get physical. I love to be combative, uh, combative in that movie. He didn't say that. Gregory is that. I think what Inter Miami is getting is a different type of player. A player that's going to be tasked with, yeah, sure, breaking things up and getting physical from time to time, just part of the nature of the position. But I think there's getting a player that's going to be more reading of the game, more anticipating, cutting off passing lanes, and playing in that way. Again, I could be wrong. We'll see possibly as soon as Saturday. But I think that that, based on what he said, I think that that is, those are his virtues. Those are his strengths. And I think that that's what we will see over the long term, especially if he's going to be successful. There's one thing that I, I think we forgot to mention about um, Dixon Arroyo, and, and it's that, you know, he, he did sign um, through 2023 and there, then there's an option for 2024, but it is a club option. Right. So to me, that, that was something interesting because i you know unless there's there's an x amount of games that he'll play and then you know the team will be forced to pick up the option in 2024 um there are not a lot of guarantees in that contract for for dixon it's like basically you know it's just a few months he's a rental it feels more yeah i mean i don't i don't i don't know i, I just i guess he was desperate to get a team here in the states or someplace else to continue to play so but, um, Jose, an interesting anecdote to add to what you're saying is that he has vacationed in Florida quite often, both South Florida and Orlando. And he commented this after the press conference. Uh, we, we were able to talk as we were walking out of the press conference room. And he said, when he, he was here in December in Florida, and he told his wife something along the lines of, like, man, it would be great to live there. And look, the situation fell perfectly for him. At the time when he was having issues with Emelec, Inter-Miami lost its captain and defensive midfielder, and it needed to plug that hole. And the timing just happened to work out for both parties. So 
yes, it's. I agree with you, and I, I know that you were harping on that last week when the news came out of the terms of the deal. There's not a whole lot of guarantees for Dixon Arroyo. Might not have a whole uh, of a long tenure in South Florida unless he plays very, very well this season and then the, that option is triggered for next year. But it for him, it's it helps, you know, one, fill a professional need and two, achieve uh, a personal desire. So I think, it, I think it works for him. We'll see how he performs on the field. We'll see how it works for Inter Miami. All right, let's switch gears to what's ahead. Because Phil Neville today spoke about when you asked him, Jose, it's a pivotal week, and it is a pivotal week, starting with Saturday's road game against the Houston Dynamo. Inter-Miami, in the course of eight days, will play three road games. A struggling, sliding Inter-Miami will play three road games. Two of those matches are against MLS clubs. One is against the lower division fellow Miami team in Miami FC in the U.S. Open Cup, a do-or-die match, win or go home. It's a big week for Inter-Miami. It's a big week to see what this team is made of, how they respond, how they either start to dig themselves out of this hole or how they sink further into it. So, Jose, I'll go back to you here. What do you expect from Inter-Miami going into this week And what results do they need? What results would you be satisfied with over these next three road games? Winning away from home is never easy. And the Miami FC game, they're in South Florida. But can't forget that they're going to be traveling. Little preparation. So what kind of week do you expect from Inter-Miami? And what would make you conforme? What would make you satisfied with the direction Uh. of the team? I don't know if satisfied is the right word because, you know. About the, the direction, the direction. If they're improving, yeah. if they're getting better, if they're starting to make progress to get out of the funk and the slide that they're in. Mm, that's an interesting question because I, I've, I've been thinking about those three games and I'll tell you what I've been thinking. I think, you know, they will win, they will win against Miami FC. I think they can win against Miami FC. But I don't see them winning against Houston or Columbus. Just don't see it. So along those lines, um, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I think it'll be according to plan if that's exactly what happens. I mean, do you expect Inter-Miami at this point to win on the road? Houston, they are not, you know, one of the top teams in the league, but they have been winning games at home lately. Um. Uh, so I think against Houston it's going to be tough for them to win I think against Miami FC just because Miami FC is really struggling to score as well and they just can't win games at FIU I think they'll end up winning that game um, if they play you know, a, a, an okay team if, if they decide to think that they are way better than Miami FC and they start playing you know, academy guys or reserve players, then they might run into trouble. And uh, I see them losing the game again over over the weekend against Columbus. I think Columbus is a better team as well. So I don't know if I did answer your question. <laughs> it was really so you said they're beating Miami, uh, losing the two MLS games. So that would mean that they, according to you, they would break their 
franchise record losing streak and go on a seven game, uh, yeah, losing streak. Yeah. So, it, yeah, does, is that is that enough? Is that enough to be okay with the direction the team's headed in? Oh no 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 no! But I mean, I mean, you cannot be okay with it. I mean, right <laughs> now, you cannot be okay, right? So now. what do you have to? So what do what they need to do for you to be okay with the direction they're headed in in terms of results, not performance results? I, I think they need to get a new head coach. <laughs> I'm talking about results over this next week, Jose. Stay with me here. What does Inter Miami, from a result standpoint, need to do? To leave you feeling okay with progress, um, you said that you expect think, them to beat Miami. Okay, got that. Yeah, I expect. But them what to do they have Miami. to do in the other two games? Is it draw? Is it win one? Is it not lose both? Not lose both and just get something out of the two road games in MLS are not easy, and Inter Miami has not been uh, a great team away from home. So, again, question simple. For you, what does Inter Miami have to do in this stretch, in this next week, to have you feeling more optimistic about the future and the direction that the team is headed in? I wouldn't feel optimistic even if they win both both games, to tell you the truth. So a team that doesn't win away from home, if they win two games away from home to end this losing streak in MLS... That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that they... It depends on how they win them. Like, if you know, if they have good performance. You know, there's there's a glimpse that I think I will go back several times this year from preseason, from that game against Austin. Jose. In some of those games, there's a glimpse of, you know, what this team was capable of early on. And we never saw that again. So... If they do that again against Houston, they do it against Columbus, and they can do it for more than 15 minutes, then they'll have a chance. Jose, so, I'm not asking for the for a performance. I'm asking just quickly and easily, simply, what do they have to do from a result standpoint to have you feeling more optimistic about the future. You already said that you think they're going to beat Miami FC. So, okay, so what results do they need in the two away games in MLS play? I guess two draws would be... But still, I, I won't feel optimistic. If they draw, that. you wouldn't feel optimistic. You're, forced, you're trying to force me to say... Yes, that, that is what Franco wants. I'm not trying to force you into anything. I want, an, I want an answer. You're not giving me an answer. Listen, Franco, I'll, I'll I answer the question. I told you already, if, even if they win both games, I it think, won't mean that they are going to be a better team. I think you are tired or something. Because there's no way that if Inter Miami, who's on a five-game losing streak, who's near the bottom of the overall MLS standings... That is standings, the problem. No, Andrea. To, if they you win can... two games, then you're going to say, oh, they're back. They're I'm not good. saying they're back. I'm, I would say they're making progress. They're starting to dig themselves out of the hole. You win two games on the road back-to-back in MLS against those opponents who... you got, uh, Jose just mentioned that Houston's Depends. doing surprisingly well at home under Ben Olsen. And uh, uh, Columbus crew team that has Wilfred Nancy as their head coach, like that's those are not bad results if you win both of those games. Those are pretty good results, even though one's yeah, not in conference. They, that doesn't mean that Inter Miami has solved their problem. I'm, but that I'm is not saying, I mean. Andrea, I'm not. But no that one said. No, that's not what I'm asking because I didn't yeah. say. Does that mean that they're, they're everything's good and you the ship has that been that right? Mean, that does that mean? Progress. Does that mean that there's progress? Absolutely. If they win both games, I that's don't know. progress. I don't know. 
They no. won last year against the under-16 team in Seattle. And, yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. That is what I mean. That is what I'm trying to tell Franco, and he doesn't it depends on how get it. Jose, like the context matters. Context matters. They are on a five game losing streak. You just said that this is not a team that's in the must win now mode, and yet no, you're saying that if they win two games on the back of a five game losing. Okay, all right, fine. We'll agree to disagree. If like, you get result, what would be a good result? They get two draws. That would be good for them. But that doesn't mean that the, all their problems are solved. But who or is that they are saying that? Who is saying that the, all their so problems are solved? Because they that is Listen, for, me, I mean. for me, for me, progress. For me, progress will be five and tying two games. That is not progress for me. For me, for me progress from what we've seen from them is winning one of those two away games plus the Miami FC game. They need to win two out of those three games for me to feel a little bit more optimistic. A little bit more optimistic. Not, oh my gosh, they're going to win MLS Cup. But a little bit more optimistic about the direction they're headed in. If they can win, absolutely the Open Cup game, that's that's a must win because it's a win or go home match. Knockout match. That one they absolutely have to win. And then one out of the two away from home uh, in MLS play. So either beat the Houston Dynamo or beat the Columbus Crew. I don't expect them to win all three. Oh. That'd be a heck of a week for Inter Miami if they could do that. But I think winning two out of those three, but one of those has to be the Open Cup, I think that that is a sign of progress. If you lose the Open I, Cup, I, but you win the two MLS games, I don't think that... I think that, that the blow from losing to your crosstown rival in the, in the Derby, I think that that's too too significant to uh, ignore. So I think what I, what, I, what I would say is I need a bigger sample size. I think it's a big week because it's three games and all of them on the road. But for me to feel optimistic that, you know, they're not just going to win two out of three and then drop five again in a row. Mm -hmm. I need more than one Mm -hmm. week. I need more than those three games. And I need to see how they win those games if they end up winning them. You know? I think one okay, week... So no, you gave me no answer. You, you're giving me a, a round out, roundabout answer. All right. No problem. No problem. You don't want to answer it. I can't force you. I won't twist your arm, Jose. Uh, yeah, I can't mistake. I just can't. So, the Houston just... Dynamo are in seventh place in the Western Conference. They have a three-win, one-draw, three-loss record. They've scored nine goals, given up eight. So, their numbers aren't overly impressive. This is it's a, a Ben Olsen team. <laughs> it's a Ben Olsen team. I mean, I think it's possibly a winning game for Inter Miami. I'm not saying they're the favorites by any stretch of the imagination. I don't I, think so. But I think it's a winnable game. If they because play better, if they what? simplify things, and if Houston players Dynamo perform. has one thing that is a thousand times better than Inter Miami, and that is why they are favorites in this match, and it's their midfield with Carrasquilla and Hector Herrera. They are playing well. They are both good players. Hector Herrera is old now, but he has quality. And Carrasquilla is, if not the best midfielder in the league, one of the best midfielders in the league. I don't think he's going to be here for more than this season. And that is the reason why Houston Dynamo are favorites in this game, because Inter Miami doesn't have the quality to stop those two players in this, in, in, with what they've shown in the past five games, unfortunately. They're going to get dominated in the middle. So it's going to be really hard uh, for Inter Miami to, to, to go to Houston and, and, and get a result. 
even though Houston is not in the league because they have uh, defensive problems, obviously. Oh, but I mean, if you look at Houston, you know, out of the last four games, they dropped one. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I mean, if 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 we look at the last four games for Inter Miami, we already know what it means. Exactly. Yeah. So, Houston playing at home, I think they're in better. The state of mind right now for Houston, you know, it's not what it was early on when Ben Olsen couldn't win a game. So the last four games for them, if you look at those four games, then, I mean, they're looking better right now. I mean, how many teams are looking worse than Inter Miami? How many teams have a, a five-game losing? Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Five-year contract to the head coach. Well, listen, if if you look at Houston's last five games, let's compare it to Inter Miami's, they most recently tied the New York Red Bulls one to one. Before that, and that was on the road. Before that, they beat Valley Galaxy three to zero. Prior to that, they lost on the road to San Jose Earthquakes. Prior to that, they beat New York City FC one to zero at home. And the first of these last five matches, the one that took place on March eighteenth, they won at home two to zero against Austin FC. So yes, they are in a better current state than Inter Miami. I do still think it's a game that Inter Miami can win. Does that mean I think that they will win? No, not necessarily. But I think that they can win. Key to the game. Jose, very quickly. Just key to the game. Defense. Play defense. Wait for a counterattack, something, miracle, maybe a penalty, VAR, uh, hand of God. Oh, well, that's unrelated to VAR. You can't really do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, they just have to play good defense and find for, wait for an opportunity and, you know, you know, and capitalize. But other than that, I think they, they have to play good defense. That's, that's the way, that's the way to go for this team, right? Defend resolutely and be opportunistic in the attack. Okay. That's, that's Jose's key to the game. Andrea, you're key to the game and you cannot say the same thing as Jose. Well, I told you already that I think that midfield is key for Houston Dynamos. So I would have to agree with Jose. Inter Miami cannot come to this game and try to win the ball against that midfield that Houston has. So they have to play to defend. They have to wait, counterattack, get some goals in set pieces or whatever they 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 call it, tiros uh, libres or whatever opportunity. But they need to be intelligent because. In the state that they're in, they, their midfield will not win against the midfield that Houston has in, in this moment. So they need to be intelligent and defend. I, once again, disagree with both of you. And I think that this team needs to score. They need to put that ball in the back of the net. That has been their biggest problem. It doesn't matter to me if they win this game 4-3, to 3-2. They just need to win this game. If they give up goals in the, at the back, but they pull out the three points, so be it. I'm okay with that. They need to be attack-minded, and they need to try to go for it, and they need to try to win. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with your guys' premise and, you know, maybe trying to scratch, you know, scrap one out there, 1-0, and, and try to, or 1-1, and just trying to get something out of it, like, I, to stop the bleeding. I, I can understand that. But they need, I think they need to attack. And I think they just need to put that ball in the back of the net. Now, it's a vague, vague, vague uh, response or key to the game. But I think they have to be attack-minded. That's the key to the game for me. If they're attack-minded, then they have a chance. 
Of course, they have to put the ball in the back of the net. But I don't think going the route that you guys are saying, la ratoneada, as as Peruvians would say, playing like a, like a mouse, you know, scurrying back in the hole and then coming out on occasion, I don't think that that's a recipe for success. I don't think that that's going to give you the best chance of winning. I think if you attack... That's got, a you... recipe to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not losing this game is almost as important as winning it. I think they can win this game, though. I think they can win this game. And I think if they go attack-minded and they get good performances out of their attackers, then they can win this game. So that's I, me. I just don't see the coaching staff taking that risk, to be honest. Listen, there was something, that, there was something that Campana <laughs> said today. There was something that Campana said today that, that, that stayed with me. And that he, he mentioned something about him and Joseph. Like, and it was, a, it was a short snippet to a longer response uh, about the attack. But that, to me, made me believe that I think they're both starting on Saturday. And yes, players like coaches can, you know, try to throw you off by saying things like that. I mean, Phil Neville's like the expert at trying to do that, whether it works or not, his execution. But I don't think Campana was trying to be clever. I think it just he just kind of said matter-of-factly that Joseph and I are talented and blah, blah, blah. So I think you're going to but, see two forwards, and I think that they've got to score and be attack-minded. I don't think being conservative here is the way to go. Just my opinion. Jose? I don't think I, I never doubted that they... I mean, if Campana is fit enough to start, like he did the last game, and Joseph, you know, is fit as well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's no other choice, is it? Uh, I mean, listen, Phil Neville said after the FC Dallas game that changes were coming to to the starting lineup. He was asked today by Michelle Kaufman, our friend at the Miami Herald, about that uh, today during the pregame press conference. And Phil Neville again said 100% that there's changes coming. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Schneider Borgelin, Schneider Borgelin. DJ Dos Santos will be in the bench and Nick Nick Marsman injured. But there's one. There's two more. So now you have three. I mean, come on. They're not going to bench Joseph. That's where you're going. They're not going to bench Joseph. Do, will they? I don't think so. Should they? they? I, should they? I think so. I think so. I think they should. Will they? I would not bet on that. All right. Formation. And then we're wrapping up this segment. Jose. Actually, I'll go first. I think they go 4-4-2 diamond. With Arroyo in there, 4-4-2 diamond. We see it at last in a regular season game uh, uh, from the start with the personnel that, or much of the personnel that we expected when preseason was going on. Jose, you're what, what you're going to say 5-3-2? No, no, no. I think they're going to play with five in the back once Kamal Miller is eligible. For, for uh, this weekend, yes, I would agree. Four four two, without a doubt. I would say four four two, but not as aggressive. I, I don't think it will be necessarily a diamond, but uh, I, I would go with more like a flat four four two. So in in that, who who starts in your midfield? Because the back four is is pretty straightforward. So who starts in the midfield? Well, it, it seems like Robert Taylor will start regardless, but um, uh, I would say, you know, I'll go. Um, well, I think we know the back line. DeAndre, even though he's playing I just said tonight. That. So, DeAndre, I, I would say um, McVeigh, Christoph, and um, Negri. And then in the middle, I would say on the right side, Taylor. Oh, I should say Mota and um, 
en Arroyo, en Stefanelli on the left side, no Pizarro. And at the top, Joseph and, and Capana. Okay, so not many changes at all then to the personnel, according to what you're projecting. Yeah, no, I don't believe that. Okay. No. Andrea, what formation do we see? Yeah, I agree with Jose and you, 4-4-2, but I think instead of Robert Taylor, I think Pizarro is starting. And Arroyo is coming in and with Joseph, uh, with Joseph and Campana at the top. I think Robert Taylor is starting, just based on what he said, what Phil Noble said today. Phil Noble said that Robert Taylor has been deal dealing with an illness, but that he expects him to be available. For, well, you um, know how so every coach has like a player or two that, you know, their favorites. El, consent el consentido, el preferido. Yeah. Yes, you know, there's always in the in 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 a team. There's always one or two players that you know they just get along with the coach and the I coach. I don't think really it's getting them. along. I think it's just the coach rates and values things in that player that maybe uh, he turns to him even if performance levels aren't great. There's 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 well, you know in Spanish we say el consentido, el preferido. Yeah. How, how how would you translate that to? To English, the preferred one. I won't say the spoiled okay. one, but the, the teacher's pet. Like Robert Taylor. Teacher's pet. <laughs> okay, teacher's pet. All right, that's that's a good that's a good uh, coach good pet. translation. Uh, coach's <laughs> pet. Okay. All right. So well, anyway, we'll leave it there. We've talked for a good bit, so we're going to push over our one ten. But let's try to leave the last segment short. Uh, so we'll do a very quick Q and A, and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. time let's just do one question here uh, because we've covered quite a bit this week so Matthew Hanau asks given the fact that we purchased Duke for 100,000 in GAM and Lasseter for 200,000 in GAM then in about a year turn that to 1.3 million in GAM plus a top MLS defender how would you grade Henderson's job at this transfer A through F scale so we, we've kind of answered this this question in terms of if we think it's a good or bad trade but let's grade it. Let's grade it very quickly. No, give no, me the, no. the values for the letters because I, I I'm not used to letters. <laughs> well, you didn't get graded in Honduras by letter grades. How'd you get graded? No, one through hundred. Yes. So 90, 90 through hundred is an A. Or, yeah. Okay. 80, 80, through oh, okay. 89 a is a B. Oh, okay. Uh, Perfect. 70, 70. 70 uh -huh. through seventy nine, and then an F is. 59 and below. So D is 60 through 69. D, D is 60. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I will say I give it an A. I give it an A. Based on my perception of what I think Bryce Duke will turn out to be, based on what Ariel Lasseter is and his lack of minutes, what they got in return, we'll see how they use it, and then you know that will impact overall how I view this trade, of course, so the grade could drop. But right now today, and they get a center back, who can help play the style they want to play? I give it an A. Jose. Um, I'll give them a D. Give them a D. Andrea. I'll give them... I was going to say D, but Jose stole it, so I'm going to give them a C-. minus. Man, after you guys said that was a bad trade, you're giving them a D. I mean, D's a bad grade. C- minus is not a great grade, but... 
It's closer to passing. US, US, just not to just because then you well, say that Jose and me say Jose and I or whatever it is say I the same thing. Miller, they're mm -hmm. getting Miller. I'm, su I'm so surprised. I'm surprised you guys didn't give him an F, based on how 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 bad you guys made it out to be in uh, that initial. And segment. Miller would prevent them from losing, you know, two or three games. So that's that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? We'll do one more. And it comes from Floating Head of Death. And this one will be real quick, easy to answer, but I think it's a fair question. How can Duke play for Montreal already, but Miller can't play for Inter-Miami yet a week later? So, there you go. U.S. visa process now. this this It takes longer now. It's not as quick, even for a Canadian coming to the United States. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, it's been going on like this since the pandemic. It, the pandemic slowed things down in terms of the visa process. I know we're a few years removed from that, but uh, it just it just hasn't been anywhere near as expeditious as it used to be. It does take a little bit more time. I think Kamal Miller will play at some point, probably during the uh, three games in eight day stretch. Just my my supposition. But right now, as of right now, he cannot play on Saturday. All right, that's it for the Q and A session. Very quick. Final thoughts. We'll go Jose, Andrea, myself, and then we'll close out the pod after that. Jose. Uh, yeah, my final thought is on is on Campana. I think we, we, we still need to give him a break. I think it's been way too long for him, you know, uh, without playing a, 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 uh, an official match. He's, he mentioned uh, this morning, you know, about five months before the game um, two weeks ago. So, um, you know, if the team's not, not scoring and he's not performing at a high level, I think it, it's not necessarily on him. And um, I think it's right about, you know, just trying to take us through the process that he went through because at the beginning of the season, we expected a lot from him. And I'm sure he had a lot of uh, high expectations as well for this year. And, you know, just being out for too long and, you know, again, dealing with injuries, I, I think it's, it's going to take some time for him to perform at a high level. He's got to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy for Inter Miami to have any chance of, of getting something out of the season. Without him, I don't see the attack producing consistently enough, and I just don't see this team going very far without him. Not that they will go far with him, but I just don't think there's there's much of a chance. And, and something interesting that he said today uh, when I asked him about, about the injury, or maybe something that he didn't say, all he said was that it was a left calf injury. Same thing, essentially, that was written in the press release and El Comunicado that Inter Miami released, you know, before the season opener or after the season opener. Actually, it came out. Uh, sounds to me, they didn't go into specifics. It sounds to me like he had a tear. It sounds to me again, not information, just supposition. That's what it sounds like. like he had a, a tear in his calf. Uh, as he said he he. It wasn't a con not, it wasn't a contact injury. It was just something he felt while he was running. So sounds like he had a tear of some sorts, which of course, as we know, kept him out for several weeks. Andrea, my final thought for this week is um, uh, about Pizarro. Uh, nothing new, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting to me. A uh, 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 pausa. I wanted to say finally we got to speak to Campana and Pizarro. I know. I wasn't here last week, but I know Franco and Jose talked about that. They spoke today, both of them. Maybe, uh, our, maybe the, our cries were heard. Our public cries 
were heard and the soccer heaven shined down on us with some Campana and Pizarro availability. No Joseph yet, though. No Joseph yet. But maybe we'll get there soon enough. Maybe. All right. And he scores. But it was interesting to me when you talked to Pizarro today, Franco, that he told you, um, reading in between the lines, that he thinks he, he needs to get a little bit more confidence. I don't think he's getting it at the moment. We were talking about the lineup, what we expect from the lineup. You both think he's going to the bench this weekend. So I guess he's going to continue to struggle uh, with his confidence and with the relationship that he has with Phil. I don't think Phil trusts him, and he knows that Phil doesn't trust him to play uh, in the position that he wants. So it's going to be interesting to see that develop. It's going to in, in, be interesting to see how how that factors in with Inter-Miami because, um, listen, for me, the last game that he didn't start, when he came in, he changed the game. So I don't know what are the basis for Phil to keep keeping him on the bench, but he's the coach. He takes the decision, but clearly it is affecting his confidence. So right I agree with that, and I'll add a couple things really quickly before my final thought, and I'll say that uh, I agree with you that I do think that reading between the lines, although Rodolfo didn't say anything about Phil directly, I do think that that's what he's alluding to. Let's not forget that during the two-game winning streak at the start of the season, you know, Phil, one of Phil Neville's comments was that oh, Pizarro feels like an important player, and you know he's in a different type of uh, mindset and, and mood. Um, you know, when he feels like he's a 90-minute player. So if Pizarro doesn't have confidence right now, to me it says that it's because he doesn't feel like the coaching staff is giving him that confidence. No le están dando esa confianza. And you can look back at the last three games. He started two of them, and he was, if not the first sub, one of the early subs in both of those games, and then he was benched in the most recent match, something that we expected just based on what we were seeing from Phil Neville. It, like To me, it's clear that Phil Neville has never really found the best use for Pizarro, nor the best position for Pizarro going back to 2021, and that he has never really been enamored with Pizarro's skill set, which is fair. But in, that, in the, doing that, Pizarro also hasn't been able to feel important often enough, which is what he needs, based on what we've heard for many years now, to succeed. So I think that that is definitely a part of it. Andrea, you said that I think Pizarro gets benched this weekend. I don't think that. I think Pizarro starts this weekend. Um, but I, you know... I oh, get... didn't you say Robert started? I think Robert starts on the right. I, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think Pizarro starts somewhere in the midfield. So and who think... will be your midfield? If if they're going 4-4-2 diamond, Arroyo at the 6, uh, Gene Mota on one side, uh, Piz- uh, sorry, uh, Robert Taylor on the other, and... Rodolfo Pizarro as the 10. So you bench Stefanelli? I think Stefanelli's going to get dropped. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so, but I agree with you overall. I think that uh, the dynamic and the relationship between between Neville and Pizarro, I'm not saying it's tumultuous or uh, problematic, but I, I mean, I think that they aren't necessarily the biggest lovers of one another. Like they, they're not, uh, you know, head, gonna, o- head over heels with one another. Yeah, that's, he's, gonna, not, he's not the teacher's pet. I'll put it to you like that. Yes. I'm going to tell you a phrase in Spanish that means lo que se ve no se pregunta. 
and you clearly can see that. So that is what I meant when 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 saying reading between the lines is it's a conclusion that I get hearing them both talk about each other. Cor correct. Or I mean, well, not like he was talking about it, but lo que se ve no se pregunta means translated for the people. It's a bilingual podcast, Andreita. Yeah, you are the translator. Oh, oh me translating. <laughs> yes, you. Oh, okay, you. I say things in Spanish, and you need to translate. Please, <laughs> the, uh, the native English speaker is. Uh, what you don't ask, but you can see, something like that. <laughs> co co correct. Which uh, I think it's. I think it's clear. You know, when when you see Phil Neville pull Pizarro early in two games and then bench him the next game, clearly he he hasn't loved what he has seen out there. Which fair or not, you know that that will obviously impact. Uh, Pizarro, who by all accounts is, is pretty temperamental and uh, big on on how he values or how he feels valued within the team. All right, my final thought, two things, very quickly. Inter Miami released a new jersey. It will be born on Saturday against the Houston Dynamo. It is the One Planet jersey. It's part of their three-year initiative to like uh, have jerseys that talk about uh, the environment and, and things of that nature. It's a baby blue with navy blue uh marks all over it so it's not very inter miami but again none of these jerseys really have been they've all been different colors that don't really go with the team color scheme you can see it on miami total football Substack. yes the pictures that my inter miami put out underwater once again very cool but you don't get a really good look at what the jersey looks like you see a model swimming uh underwater with with, a crop the, with, with sharks <laughs> with sharks and and um it's hey the, the shots are great I, i'm, yeah, I'm not hitting on the shots but you can't see the jersey so you can see the jersey on miami total football's instagram which is mia total football um it, it doesn't look bad i don't think it's a bad jersey just you know doesn't say and anything. it's fitting for what we lived in south florida this week. <laughs> right with the with the flooding and the and the no gas um My other final thought, Drake Callender and DeAndre Edlin right now are with the U.S. Men's National Team. DeAndre Edlin started, actually. Uh, he's playing as we speak. I do think, and I did ask Phil Neville this today, I do think it was you know a bit of a risk to let them go. This is not a uh, FIFA-sanctioned match. Now, do the MLS overlords require MLS teams to release their players? I mean, they probably have a, you know, twist their arm a good bit to, to ensure that that happens. But, you know, I think it was... Of course. Of course. Phil, two weeks ago, was saying, oh, Robert Taylor, and he was playing official matches, and now he's happy because these two go on a cash grab of a game. It is definitely a cash grab, 100%. I agree with that. Um, and I do think it's a bit of a risk that, you know, to have them go. Especially with Marshman injured. I understand Calendar getting his first call-up, but it's it's really dangerous position for Inter Miami. Yeah, because they, they're, in a, they're, in a, they're not in a, in a position where they, they, don't they have, have... Right, they don't have the luxury to send two players for a midweek match. Exactly. When they're and they don't have a replacement for Yedlin, and they don't have a replacement for Calendar now that Nick Marshman is injured. So I think Harvey Neville could start on Saturday. I think we could see that. Yeah, it could be a possibility I because Yedlin playing today, starting today, and then traveling back to Houston. Well, let's see. Yeah, so I mean, that's where my final thought will wrap up. It's like you're, yes, it's probably great for their confidence. Phil Neville did a, a, a good job of pointing out the positives of having them go, especially for Calendar and um, you know the fact that he's been called up and he'll get his first experience on the, at the national team level. That's all great and good, but this is not an international window. This is. Uh, like you just said, a cash grab. And yes, Drake Callender, it's great for him that he got his first call-up. But he could have gotten his first call-up at a different time when it's actually uh, a, a FIFA-sanctioned window when maybe Inter Miami's not playing when on the count. weekend. <laughs> and when Inter Miami's not playing on the weekend. In, a, in an official game, 
Drake Calendar is not on the list. I mean, but he could be, he could just be in the camp. He could be in the camp based on his form. He could be in camp and just get his feet wet as the third or fourth option. Why not? That's not not? what the national team is for. As good a person as Drake Calendar is, the national team is for the best players of the country, not to give favors to anybody. It's not giving favors, Jose. It's it's introducing introducing a young player into the fold who's playing well. And who you can see as a potential contributor down the line. You see it all the time with goalkeepers. You see it all the time. But anyway, I do think it was a risk that they are with the national team. That they went away from Inter-Miami in the week leading up to a big game. Not only because of the potential for injury, but they're also going to be missing a good bit of preparation. Maybe not as big a deal for a goalkeeper, but for DeAndre Yedlin, absolutely. Because guess what? He missed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He probably will arrive back in town on Thursday, which means he's not training on Thursday. He'll do uh, recovery and maybe go over some game film. And then Friday, he'll do a light session before traveling again on Saturday. So preparation at a minimum, again, not ideal, especially when you're like in the Miami in in the situation that you're in, five-game losing streak with a road game on hand. But nonetheless, they both were with the U.S. Massage team, so they both got uh, a call-up. So that's something that happened after we recorded last week so that's it for my final thoughts and that does it for this week's show we'll be back again next week hopefully in between the houston dynamo game and the miami fc game so we can preview the miami classical so we might have two pods next week if our schedules permit and if these two lovely co-hosts can make it happen and hopefully andrea's voice clears up and she feels so, for Andrea Yanes, for Jose Armando, I am Frank Benito. You have been listening to Mi Amputal Football Radio. I'll talk to you guys again next week.